And welcome to The Table Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines their responses to life itself and all it entails. Today, I am your host, Beulah, and I'll be going into a little bit about a book that I bought quite a long time ago, um, but definitely a gold one for sure, and that is Brand Hansen's Unoffendable. I'll be going uh, deeply into this book and shallowly and covering here and there um, as we go into the show, so please enjoy your first song and we will go straight into it in a moment.
Hansen is a radio host who has won multiple National Personality Year awards. He also works with the Cure International, a, a worldwide network of hospitals that brings life-changing medical care and the good news of God's love to children with treatable conditions. He currently lives in Northern California with his wife, Carolyn, his son, Justice, and his daughter, Julia. He can be found at BrandHanson.com and BrandHanson on Twitter. So he's an American radio personality and author, and he's also hosted the morning show on the National Christian Radio Way FM network and the afternoon show on the National Christian Radio Network Air One. He's currently 53 years old, born on the 11th of October, 1969, in the United States. So what is so interesting about this book? Uh, I actually found this book at an interesting, uh, a rather interesting time of my life where um, this kind of information wouldn't have seemed um, not even enjoyable or uh, the word would probably put it best as it's kind of the salt you need on a wound to allow it to heal. And um, the back of the book speaks a little bit of what is inside some of the critics namely Frank Viola, uh, said that a small stick of dynamite to throw into every crowd of complaining and contentious Christians who have lost sight of what scripture teaches about the glory of overlooking an offense. Um, I doubt that many people really enjoy overlooking an offense. And this book dives deeply into how not only is that biblical, but the freedom of life that you really experience when you take that step of faith, in a sense, um, and surrender that offense to God. And um, Brent Hansen says that we're not entitled to our anger, really. Isn't taking offense normal? Aren't we supposed to get offended? Isn't anger at sin justifiable? If God gets mad, why can't we? Brent Hansen asks a radical freeing question. What if Christians were the most unoffendable people on the planet? And he offers a life-changing idea. Righteous anger is a myth, and giving up our right to be offended can be one of the most healthy, simplifying, relaxing, refreshing, stress-relieving, and encouraging things we can do. So he says, drop your anger and self-centeredness and yield to humility. Let things go and energy replaces weariness. Embrace forgiveness and you'll be able to love others in risky, unexpected ways. Choose to be unoffendable and you'll flourish the way God intended you to. In a winsome, humorous, and conversational style, Hansen uh, actually helps bring and a release of religious burdens and experience the joy of gratitude, perhaps for the first time in every single day of your life. And um, to almost encapsulate everything into one, one phrase, he so perfectly puts it right on the front of the book. How can one change make all of life better? Um, as for me who had read it at this point uh, many years ago, I can say that that is very much exactly what this book offers. One change that makes all of life better. And um, I'm going to go straight into page 104 of Unoffendable. And 
it starts off right off the bat by saying, choosing to be unoffendable or relinquishing my right to anger does not mean accepting injustice. It means actively seeking justice and loving mercy while walking humbly with God. And that means remembering that I'm not him. What a relief. Um, and I think that you could even sigh at the end of that word. Um, what a relief, because is it not the case that when we actually give God his job <laughs> and stop trying to, to do what it is that we're not supposed to, we're, we weren't asked to do so in scripture. That is not our, I guess, position of only serving justice. And um, when we surrender that to him, we have this new found freedom, actually. Um, I love the way that Brandt actually writes this book. Um, it's so easy to read. It's conversational, really, as it does explain on the back. And he simplifies things and he brings in so much of his story of everyday life that it's so easy to relate to. And it makes what scripture speaks about so profoundly able to be applied. And I think that that's something that is often a challenge with people who do get into reading scripture, maybe as a, a newfound um, believer, or even as someone who is <laughs> a well-serviced car in Christianity, so to say. Um, there's a point where where the reality of scripture needs to really, um, it needs to take its hold in your life. And just reading testimonies, as it says in, in, in Revelation, that the word of our testimony, you know, in the blood of the Lamb, um, we're able to overcome so much, and, and we're able to overcome the enemy, really, um, by actually steeping our minds, steeping our lives into testimonies of how we can overcome through scripture. So chapter 14, I really just love the, the title of this chapter, and I thought I might share this. Uh, on page 105 says, This is the chapter about how we're just barely smart enough to be stupid. And he starts off by saying, We humans are weird. That's not just my editorial opinion. It's a biological fact. We are remarkably unique among all the creatures on the planet. Other creatures feel threatened, just like we do. The big difference, though, is that when they feel threatened, it's because they're being chased by, let's say, a lion. And it makes sense that they're threatened since a lion can kill them. But humans don't need to be chased by a giant cat or wolves or a shark to feel threatened. We don't even have to be chased by anybody or anything. We humans are special because we can manage to feel threatened by being chased by absolutely nothing. And amazingly, that nothing is killing us. Maybe you've had this scenario happen to you. The near missing traffic, you're driving in a car, another car comes out from nowhere. You both slam on the brakes and you narrowly miss each other. You take a deep breath, say something like, thank God, and make sure everyone's okay. But you also notice your whole body feels different. It's be been flooded with hormones, specifically adrenaline and cortisol. Your body went into fight or flight mode, perceiving a threat. Your heart rate is now higher and so is your blood pressure. In order to shoot energy into your body, you've got more sugar in your bloodstream now. Now, thanks to the cortisol, and that can help your brain think under pressure. What you may not be aware of is that when you're in this mode, the oh my goodness, my life is threatened mode, your body actually automatically shuts down other functions. Your digestive system temporarily closes down, and so does your reproductive system, because you need neither to survive the moment. Your body wants to make you lighter, so you can run away, so you might suddenly feel as though you need to go to the bathroom. That's how we're wired, and it all makes sense. It's to help us survive real threats. All that stuff happens with animals too, when they're being chased, that is. If you're an antelope and you're being chased by a pack of bloodthirsty hyenas, you're having the same thing happen. And maybe you're thinking, 
This is awesome. My whole antelope body is making me run faster than I ever thought I could. I love the way I'm equipped with this very cool fight or flight response system. Thing is, for the antelope, the whole thing is over pretty quick. I mean, he either gets away from the hyenas or he doesn't. In this case, the whole f uh, physiological reaction is short-lived. Just a quick blast, really. That's what fight or flight is for. Robert Sapolsky is a neuroendocrinologist, apologies for that pronunciation, and a primatologist at Stanford uh, University. He studies the way stress affects animals and humans. He's written a terrific book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, which can deal with this very issue and explains it much better than I can. Zebras are, or zebras have very real threats, but don't get ulcers because that stress response episode is here and gone in seconds. But we humans, we're highly intelligent, top of the food chain. We can put one of us on the moon, humans, can invent things to make us feel threatened. Antelopes don't do that. They don't lie awake at night, wondering if another antelope is going to make them transfer to another location, or maybe fire them. That's us, we do that. An antelope doesn't lose sleep worrying if it might have to run up credit card charges that it can't pay off. We do. An antelope doesn't toss and turn worried that his baby antelope is going to get aced out of the top tier antelope preschool. No, that's us. That's a human thing. We're brilliant, the brilliant ones who make us think that way. We're capable of imagining threats and staying in a kind of constant, low-grade, fight-or-flight mode. We're capable of feeling threatened all the time by things that haven't even happened or may not ever happen. We're so smart we can trick our bodies into physiological breakdown for no good reason. Sapolsky says that it's remarkable what our emotions can do to us, physiologically compared to other species. And um, just an observation of this information, it might seem making <laughs> almost might seem to make humans seem really unintelligent in a sense and isn't that exactly what happens the scripture says that worry for nothing but in everything through prayer and petition let your requests be made known to god we need to live a life of surrender and that life of surrender brings us great freedom although we might think the very opposite um, so i'm going to continue in just a, a moment after the second song do enjoy ruby mars on the track They mention my name more than the killer feet. Sharing one thing on the common. I'm what they couldn't be. Moving like snakes in the grass. I'm on alert. Last time I gave them a chance, it was the first. Which one of them? One is like two. Y'all better drop and protect cause my time is like. That took forever to let you know just how I move. These days they judge what they can't do. Always new ways, chrome hearts too So worried about me, folks about you I had epiphany, Tiffany missing me Asking me questions, they trying to get rid of me Hitting that work and the one with another lie I wish you well, cause you're not one of my Them boys, they mention my name More than the killer feet Sharing one thing, all in common I'm what they couldn't be Moving like snakes in the grass Last time I gave him a chance, it was the first. Nah, it was the last. Foot on the neck and the gas. I must adapt. 
change is important, that's fast. Quit riding waves. Hit me tomorrow and love me today. Don't reminisce. We send the shots and we do not miss. Tell you what I'm gonna give you, snakes. What are they gonna give us? Drop off attack. They just lost all my respect. Put them pull up with the left. We can't recover what's next. They think I'm done. They keep on playing with the kid. They just my sons. Talking like that could get hit. Them boys, they mention my name. More than a killing feet. Sharing one thing all in common. I'm what they couldn't be. Moving like snakes in the grass. I'm on alert. Last time I gave them a chance, it was the first. So to close off, um, I'm just going to continue on page 108, where Sapolsky says that it's remarkable what our emotions can do to us, physiologically, compared to other species. He says that we've got the same building blocks, but we use them in ways that are unprecedented. And let me give you an example of that. Okay, so you've got two humans, and they're taking your part in a human ritual. They're sitting there silently, making no eye contact. They're still. Except every now and then, one of them does nothing more taxing than lifting an arm and pushing a little piece of wood. And if it's the right wood and the right chess grandmaster's tournament, they're going through 67,000 calories a day, thinking, turning on a massive physiological stress response, simply with thought. And it does the same thing to their bodies, as if they were baboons who just ripped open the stomach of their worst rival, and it's all with thought, memories and emotions. The effects of our ability to feel threatened long-term are absolutely devastating. We simply weren't designed to handle this. And it's not just ulcers, either, that are the problem. When we're stressed out over the long haul, everything falls apart. Your muscles start to suffer from the tension, so there's often neck and shoulder pain for starters. And your immune system starts to fail. You get sick more, and if you're already sick, your symptoms get worse. Your stomach starts to rebel. You get gastroesophageal reflux or irritable bowel syndrome, in addition to peptic ulcers. Stress can affect your fertility and your reproductive organs. It affects your, your lungs too. If you have asthma, stress can make that worse. Of course, there's also your blood. When your body is dealing with stress long term, you can develop high blood pressure, blood clots, osteochlorosis, coronary heart disease can set in, leading to heart attacks. Your metabolism gets messed up. You may gain lots of weight or even develop diabetes. It can even affect your skin, making psoriasis or acne worse. So, as Sapolsky says, zebras don't have to deal with this. They don't dream up potential threats. They don't stay in perpetual flight or fight mode. Sapolsky describes himself as a strident atheist, so he's not trying to make a theological point with this. But it's fascinating that his conclusion from his decades of research about threats, stress and physiological response is that we should not borrow trouble from tomorrow. For the person who's familiar with the teaching of Jesus, that theme sure rings a bell. Here's Jesus, 2,000 years ago. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And that's in Matthew 6 verses 25 to 26. Um, so as a whole, he closes off by saying, Animals don't harm themselves with worry. They don't go into fight mode by creating threats with their imagination. Humans do. So Jesus says to take our lessons from the birds. 
And to close off there, um, I'd highly advise that you perhaps look into getting this book. Um, ask for it for on your Christmas wish list as we started the new year, January 2023. Um, you would absolutely love this book. It is an encouragement from page to page and such an enjoyable read. It is so easy to pa page through um, and it's not something that will bog you down. In actual fact, you might need to pass it around to a couple of people that you might know um, because it really does offer you a wealth of knowledge for such a, a really an enjoyable time of reading it. Um, so that's all from me. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day and um, cheers. Every day when I wake up in the morning, I on my knees and pray, make Josh show me where. Every day when I wake up in the morning, I, I go on my knees and pray. Make just show me when I've been on my own for way too long. Way too long. I miss rule that I cannot find my way. I've been on my own for way too long. Way too long. I miss rule that I cannot find my way. And I said that I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Papa. We're for heaven. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Papa. We're for heaven. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh. Only by your mercy, you thought I for injured. See the enemies across my way, they want to run my race. Nah, see the enemies across my way, they want to run my race. Nah, I get on my knees and pray, make God show me. I've been on my own for way too long, way too long. I miss rule that I cannot find my way. I've been on my own for way too long, way too long. I miss rule that I cannot find my way. And I said, I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Papa. We're for heaven. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Papa. We're for heaven. Trust me when I tell you, say this life not about the beans. You should never put your trust in any single human being. Why? Because these guys did these guys. Then go phone friends, turn around and disguise. I know what it's like to work and never see results. Grind with so much effort and be cheated off the pot. Dying of depression, dying just off the pressure that comes with losing your mind and with someone still in your spot. Uh, I know what it's like to have great ideas. To walk hard in pure joy and still reaping tears Cause they're racing for the swift on the battle to the strong Now we know how we do I'm cause the battle is the Lord's What he wants is simply Trust us with the deeply Be your brother's keeper Don't compare you're not the simile Can't be the keep it The crap you can't admit it Cause love is a language that's way older than the city I need you, oh Lord I need you, oh Lord Oh Papa God I need you, oh Lord I need you, oh Papa We're here for heaven I need you, oh Lord I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Papa. We're here for heaven. I need you, oh Lord. I need you, oh Lord, oh Papa God. I need.
time again I know that I saw my sins You don't see my sin No more Haven't you heard? It's the Netflix of radio. Radio has never been better.